Hey, Katie. Hi, Ben. Uh, we're still in this pandemic. <laughs> I think we'll be in this pandemic for a little while. Yeah, it's uh, March 22nd as we are recording this. This will probably be released in about a week or so. So uh, yeah, given the rate at which things are changing, who knows where we'll be by the time this hits your ears. But right now, yeah, I'm uh, kind of getting used to, I think... Uh, socially distancing myself. Yeah, actually, uh, social distancing is not social isolation. And I found that very helpful to remember. Um, We're so lucky in 2020 to have video chat. Um, Of course, we've got good old fashioned telephone. I've been trying to more aggressively reach out to my friends and loved ones and, uh, you know, make sure we can hear each other's voices and everything. So that way, even if I'm not physically near a lot of people, which does feel a little crazy, um, it's it's good for mental health to be around people, at least even if it's just digitally. Yeah. And so I imagine that a lot of our listeners are probably also finding themselves in a similar boat, like working from home, not in a place where they're going out and socializing with people in person as much. So wanted to share, I don't know, just like have kind of an informal conversation about how, what we're finding challenging about this, what coping mechanisms we're coming up with. And, you know, maybe hopefully for some of our listeners, uh, this is helpful to you too, because I know it will be helpful for me at least to hear what you're thinking and maybe vice versa. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Yeah. Also, um, just to acknowledge this up at the upfront, uh, obviously the situation is different for everybody. Um, like neither of us have kids, for example. And so we're probably not going to have a lot of ideas about how to handle working from home or, um, weathering a pandemic with kids. Also, um, as you mentioned, we're recording this on March 22nd. Uh, you may be listening at the end of March. You may be listening in April and, we have no idea what that future will look like. So take everything we're saying with a grain of salt, knowing that the future, which is the present for you was, was the future for us. Was the future. <laughs> I think for, that's where that was. Yeah. I was going to try and say it was recorded in the past, but uh, yeah, what, my... what is the tense of this? This is like the future <laughs> plue perfect indicative. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Time is weird. Yeah. Time is very strange. Um, I've been working from home for a week now. You too? Yeah. So as we're recording this, I've had six work days at home. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I've had eight and a half or so. Okay. Okay. So have you worked remote very much before this or is this the first time you've worked remote for any extended period of time? Well, when I was working at Facebook, this is a couple of years ago, or a year ago now, going back three more years from then, uh, I worked from home about one day a week. And okay. it's interesting how different working at home five days a week is from working at home one day a week. How so? Because, yeah, working at home one day a week, it, there's a bit of novelty. Uh, it's... It's like finding uh, finding a groove in some ways is harder when you're only doing it one day a week, but it's also uh, a little bit easier because you can, like, for example, when I was working at Facebook, I would move some of my tasks to that Wednesday when I'd be working from home and do the tasks that I could better do at home 
then and do all of the collaborative tasks um, when I was in the office, when I could actually collaborate with people in person. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's very different. Yeah. How about you? So I've always been more of a come into the office person. I like having the separation between like work Mm -hmm. and home. Uh, and so having like a different space that I spend the day in is really valuable for me. And then second is since I became a manager, especially a lot of my job is like talking to people and I just find that easier to do in person. And I, I guess sort of also on a personal level, I've sometimes had when I was in physics, especially there would be folks that I would work with remotely a lot because they would be, I would be in California and they'd be in Switzerland or vice versa. And sometimes that was really challenging because of you know, the time differences, because sometimes people were like very not responsive when they were working from home, which made it challenging. So anyway, all of these things, I'm definitely an office person. So this has been an adjustment for me, but I think one thing that feels different from some of my past experiences is that like everyone that I work with is working from home right now. So there's a lot of this sense of kind of community mindedness about making this work for all of us together and realizing that we have to actually just change the way that we do our work for a little while. It isn't, we aren't in a situation where it's like, Oh, it's just like Wednesdays. You're kind of offline. It's like, no, 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 this is every day. And we need to just like figure out together how to keep things moving anyway. Yeah, that's a really good point. It is different that everyone is working from home versus some people. It, it totally changes everything. So what are some of the ways that you have been keeping productive with this big change? So I do a lot of the kind of recommended stuff, which a lot of folks have probably already heard, but bears repeating. So I try to have the same routine, basically, that I have when I'm going into work. So I start my day at more or less the same time. Um, I end my day at more or less the same time. I try to take lunch at a regular time. Uh, Most of my meetings are still there. We just do them over video calls. I think, so I, I haven't felt like my productivity has gone down very much, but I also think that I'm a person who has like just lots of meetings on my calendar most days. And so those push me. Uh, I imagine if I had just like big long blocks of unscheduled time, I could imagine that it would feel a little bit easier for me to drift, but that's not really the situation that I'm in. I'm like every hour or two, it seems like getting on a video call with somebody. How about you? Right. That's interesting. So you're yeah, I kind of have a little bit more of the drift problem because I don't have as many meetings as you just as an uh, individual contributor. So for me, it's been really helpful to have a separate room to go to be able to go into. Uh, my partner is also working from home. So some of the time I spend where we're in the same room and I'll just be on my on my laptop on the couch uh, next to my cat. And some of the time I'll go into uh, one of the other rooms where I have a larger monitor. So like if I, if I really need to kind of jam out on some code and just get some things done, 
then I'll go in there. I'll plug in my external monitor. And uh, I've actually found Pomodoros to be really helpful. If For anyone who hasn't heard of Pomodoros, basically it's a way of uh, setting time boxes for yourself to work. So you work for 25 minutes is the traditional amount of time. And then you spend five minutes taking a break, stretching, uh, walking, getting some, getting a beverage or something. And you do a couple of Pomodoros and then you take a larger break. And um, I found it to be a really good way of both keeping myself focused during that 25 minutes, but not just staring at the screen for two and a half hours straight and not taking care of my body. Oh, so that's actually, yeah, that's a great point. And that's a problem that I have is that when I have back-to-back meetings in the office, they're usually in like different physical locations. And so I have to get up, I have to walk around a little bit. Mm. And, but when you're sitting in front of your computer and it's like four clicks and you're in your next meeting, I found myself that it's really easy for me to just like not get up for hours on end. Cause I'm just calling into the next thing and calling into the next thing. So, um, one thing I'm going to try is when I schedule meetings, this was a tip I got from my sister. Who's also working remote for a tech company is, um, having, starting your meetings, having like, if you have a 30 minute meeting, schedule it for 25 minutes and have it start five minutes late. So it starts like two Oh five instead of two o'clock. The tip here, number one is, you know, 25 minutes instead of 30 minutes. And then tip number two is having that that slush fund at the beginning makes it more likely that you're going to take it. Cause it's really easy for me to like run over by five minutes and just like eat into the margin. So mm. making, doing it first, um, I think will make me more likely to actually take five minutes. So I'm trying to keep that in mind when I schedule meetings for other people, uh, experimenting with starting them five or 10 minutes after the usual start time. So in having meetings and just in general, how do you deal with communication then when you're remote? So we do a lot of video calls, but one thing I was reading a lot about this weekend is also that written communication is super important. So I was reading some uh, remote work guides from companies that are fully remote because you know there are some companies that all of their people are remote all of the time. So they've actually had to think about this kind of from day one. Whereas we're all adopting it midstream here, right? And one of the things that, yeah, comes up repeatedly and is emphasized a lot is that written communication is really valuable, really important when you're working remotely. So that's that's an aspirational goal for myself, I think, is that I get better about if there's something important that I need to communicate to someone, trying to push myself to write it a little bit more and speak it a little bit less and see if that also helps me like forces me to crystallize my thinking around some right. of these things and maybe I, uh, more than I do right now. And also leaves an artifact behind that, you know, if I'm writing like an onboarding document for a new employee, like that's something I can use again. So, so going through the exercise of creating it, I think is not, not the worst. Definitely. Yeah. Like recording written context, not just of interactions that you have, but of ideas that you might be communicating outward. I like that about the artifact, um, creating the yeah, artifact I'm, thing. I'm curious if the places where you have worked or, you know, where you've heard of your friends work or whatever, you know, how much they are driven by 
in-person or spoken communication versus I know there are some companies that have a you know, strong culture around written communication and documentation. So I'm, I'm curious if you're finding yourself maybe pushed a little bit more to write where you would have spoken before. Yeah. Um, in my experience, and you know, I have a lim- limited number of data points, but uh, it seems as though it's correlated to the size of the company. So if you have a small startup, Ever, a lot of things are just conversations. There's a ton of um, of just knowledge that people have that isn't recorded anywhere. There's not a lot of redundancy. This makes a lot of sense if you're starting a startup, for example, and you've got six people. Like, yeah, you could write things down in docs, and there are a lot of benefits to that. Uh, but wide dissemination of information, especially if you're in the office, is not one of those benefits. Whereas if you're in a large company and your team is 10 people and your larger org is 150 people, and also knowing that in a large org, people might come and go a little bit more often, either between teams or or between companies than in a startup, having that uh, written, having that context written down is super important and kind of pays dividends over time. One other thing, uh, so there's there's also video uh, calling, like you said. Actually, and on on teleconferencing, muting your microphone and turning on your webcam are both good tools that I hadn't thought of. Actually, yes, yeah. So if you're in a, especially a large meeting, mute your microphone when you're not talking, and that just makes that makes everything so much easier for everybody because they're not listening to, you know, the birds chirping or the baby crying. And especially for smaller meetings, but just in general, if you're talking or if you're participating actively, turning on your video is a really big thing. It really helps with uh, humanizing each other and uh, maintaining that connection, the, the feeling of connection with your coworkers. Yeah, that's a huge thing. We've been deferring to, to webcams on, and I think it's really, really helped. Yes. You mentioned in the you mentioned in the last episode that you now have a good recording setup. I wonder is that partly also because you have to work from home so much that you need to have a good place that you can do uh, calls from? Yeah. So what happened was we have a spare bedroom kind of office that was just kind of like we just had a bunch of junk in it mostly, and then we had a a desk setup that was kind of in our living room. We put the desk into the office now so you can shut the door. So before I would I would not record at the desk because it was usually in the same room where like my husband was puttering around or the dog was making noises or whatever. So it wasn't it wasn't ideal for recording, but now that it's in the office and I can shut the door, yeah, I'm like sitting here at my desk and I've got the lamp on and I've got my computer and it's yeah, so so that is a direct result of uh, it's the, uh, the social distancing stuff. That's pretty cool. Uh, there's one other on the topic of video conferencing that just crossed my mind. And I had this experience with a coworker on, um, actually just a couple days ago where she bought a webcam and she plugged in the webcam so she could look at her main external screen and have the web camera just above the screen. Uh, now, of course, not everyone can go and expense a web camera, but 
the the main difference there was just the angle that everyone saw this person at having the camera up a little bit it shouldn't matter but in it shouldn't matter in the same way that you know looking put together when you come in for work shouldn't matter but it does it can really change people's perception of you if you have a a more dimly lit room with the web camera down low versus a well-lit room with the web camera a little bit higher. Um, maybe some natural light if you can position yourself by a window. Um, so the idea that, here being that she's like keeping eye contact with the camera a, a little bit more naturally and better so it feels like she's more present or exactly. something? Exactly. The eye contact thing and also just the general quality of the interaction, uh, like technical quality wise and i think it's because with video conferencing we get fewer signals from each other and uh so you want to make sure that those signals kind of come across directly and well and actually in that uh in that vein it seems not as professional to use emojis but they can really express that uh like they can they can soften writing for example like, uh, I actually got this tip from uh, from someone else. And I think it's kind of brilliant because when you get an email and someone says something directly, critiquing an idea that you've proposed or something like that, and then they have a smiley face at the end of it, it really does help kind of soften, especially maybe all of our insecurity around having ideas shot down or challenged. Um, I definitely feel that in myself too. Yeah, I think that is one potential drawback of having more written communication and less verbal communication is it's like written communication can sometimes not capture tone quite right. And it's easy for things to come across more harshly than if you had said it in person. So I yeah. think part of it is recognizing that as a reader and trying not to trying to have like a little bit of a thicker skin than maybe you would like giving people a little bit more benefit of the doubt when they're saying something that comes across as, as abrupt or something that maybe it's just the tone isn't quite right. And then conversely, as a writer, uh, paying attention to that, that tone aspect. And if you realize that you've said something that didn't have or written something that didn't have the tone that you intended it to being very willing to walk it back a little bit to make people feel comfortable again. Definitely proofreading things. Tell me about mental health. You were talking a little bit about having that five minutes to kind of reset yourself and to get up and stretch your body before going into another meeting. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little more challenging because like social distancing means that hanging out with other people and kind of having that aspect of your lives uh, is a little more challenging. Obviously, it's just like stressful in general to be you know, going to the grocery store is stressful. Checking the news is stressful. You're not allowed to touch your face. Like that's weird. <laughs> um, so it's kind of, I think a lot of, a lot of people are also experiencing some of this anxiety and a little bit of social, social withdrawal. So, you know, one thing you were talking about, and I've felt this way too, is, you know, it feels like there's a different set of rules about, uh, reaching out to your friends and loved ones and stuff like that right now that it's not weird to be like, hey, you want to get on a Google Hangout and drink a beer with like yeah. somebody who lives on the other side <laughs> of the country? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah. I'm not doing anything. 
Um, so, but it's, you know, it's outside of the usual routine that we might be in. So it's kind of about thinking creatively about ways that you can get some of that contact and some of that support. What are modifications you can make to your routine so that you're keeping yourself kind of stimulated. You're not just looking at your phone all day. So it requires, I think, a little bit more thought and deliberateness. But the way I'm thinking about it is just like, what are the routines that I want to have for the next, let's say, couple weeks to a few months? And being a little bit, being pretty deliberate about establishing them to the to the best of my ability. And then, you know, if something if something goes crazy or, you know, I have a lousy night and end up, yeah, just like scrolling on my phone for an hour and then I'm like, oh no, what am I doing? Then just being like, yeah, well, try again tomorrow. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I uh, I want to pick up on that. Uh, but I also want to say one really important thing for me is setting myself an end time because for, for the workday. Because now I'm doing my work at home and I'm living my life at home and I'm going out at home, like going out for a beer with someone on Google Hangouts at home. So like all of these different parts of my life that are normally physically separated are now all in the same place. And so it's really easy for things to just kind of bleed into each other. And so at least for speaking for myself, I can be a little bit, um, I cannot be as kind to myself around productivity if I get distracted during the workday, right? Um, but that strictness doesn't apply the other way around. So if I've ended my workday and then I, I have an idea or I want to check something or I want to look at a graph um, that has to do with work, I don't get mad at myself for looking at work, but maybe I should, I don't know. So setting myself an end time and saying like, after this specific time, I'm not going to do any work unless it's an emergency and there's a, a specific reason I have to, like really paying attention to that end time and, and being strict, stricter with my time, I think helps a lot with mental health. Um, yeah, I think there's a yeah. similar thing that I was thinking about. It's not exactly the same thing, but you mentioned at the outset, we don't have kids, but I know tons of people do. And that's like a whole other layer of number one, stress, number two, things that can affect your productivity, you know, number three, I could go on forever. So <laughs> if you're, you know, hopefully you have a good enough, if you're one of those people, like you feel like you're getting support uh, from your manager, from your colleagues that, you know, if you need to just not be online for a few hours during the workday, because there's something going on with your kids that you feel like you're getting some support in that you're totally reasonable for, for needing it and for asking for it. Let me at least give you that amount of validation. Yeah. I also know it's just like, it's hard for everybody right now, but, and then conversely for folks who have colleagues who have kids that they're trying to keep entertained or who are managers of people with kids, just trying to be really um, empathetic around that right now. Cause it's like a whole additional job that you're like being expected to do at the same time. And kids are not always known for being understanding about how their parents have like other priorities sometimes. So 
just a, a thing that probably everybody already knows, but again, bears repeating is, yeah. uh, you know, try to be kind to one another in that respect too. Yeah, definitely. Um, actually on this exact topic, the, the last things that I have that I wrote down for myself, cause I wanted to make sure I touched on them. Um, there's self-kindness, there's empathy and there's advocacy. So self-kindness, um, I know that I have a tendency to be more forgiving to other people than I am to myself. And, you know, not all people are like that, but, uh, if that is your tendency, uh, just give yourself a little more slack these days because this is a stressful time for everybody and you're mainly seeing the ways in which it's stressful for yourself and you're not as much seeing the ways it's stressful for other people, especially because they're remote. So, um, yeah, that's a thing that I've been trying to remind myself is to be kind to myself. Uh, on that same note, but flipping it around having empathy for uh for other people and the differences in their situation so like i mentioned at the beginning i don't have kids and if i assume that everyone is in my situation and i i hold them to uh not the standards because it's not it's not just a a single dimension but let's say the the times that I'm online, if someone else is not online and I get frustrated or, or something like what I need to remember is that not everyone is in my situation, uh, both in ways I can predict and in ways I can't possibly know. And so having empathy for other people and uh, maybe just being forgiving in knowing that there are things I'm not aware of that might explain their behavior. Um, that's really important. And then the third thing is advocacy, and this goes especially for people who are managers or who are kind of up that food chain, but it really goes for all of us. We all need to advocate for each other because unlike many things, we're all in the exact same, uh, we're all in this together in, in a very similar way. So uh, yeah, those are those are kind of the three things there for me is self-kindness, empathy, and then advocate for the people around you. I think that was very well put. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> Actually, I'll add one more thing, which is, and this is something I had not thought of until a coworker put it this way. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, privilege. There's like racial privilege, gender privilege, all kinds of different privilege. Uh, being remote, different people have different kinds of remote privilege. I have privilege in that I don't have nearly as many distractions as someone with kids, for example. Um, I have privilege in that I'm an engineer and working remotely at odd hours, uh, I have a little more leeway than other people. And um, that's a good thing to be aware of too. I mean, even just that we have the privilege of working from home. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally right. That, you know, the things that are inconveniences and little frustrations sometimes kind of in the scheme of things uh, aren't, aren't as big of a deal as some of the other stuff that might be going on. So, yeah, I agree. So with that, I think we'll sign off again. Hopefully all of this stuff is helpful and relevant 
uh, even into the future. It seems like we might we might be in this for a little while yet. So yeah, uh, you know, kind of figuring out how to make it work is probably worth the investment. Um, and, then, and I'll invite uh, mm-hmm. anyone to write in um, and tell us how you're saying sane in this time. Yeah, I was actually going to say the same thing. Like, if people want to tweet at us some of the stuff that they're finding is particularly helpful or or works for them, um, we'll retweet that. And I don't know, we might have like some follow up episodes on this because I think yeah. we'll probably be figuring it out more and more as we go. Awesome. Okay, stay safe in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, you too. Bye. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.